0: doo doo Doctor Fauci. Give us vaccines. Help all the people who have been quarantined. We'll wear our masks and we'll have to stay distant. We'll wash our hands and we'll be more resistant. Fauci. Restrictions will lift with some ease. Dr. Fauci, don't forget me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pursuit of Truth podcast. Today is November 9th, year of our Lord, 2021. This is going to be episode 112. It's going to be called Our Clear Cut Financial Rebellion. So thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate you being here. And I would like to apologize for not putting an episode out on Thursday, and I had a good reason for it, Um, because, you know, as you know, um, and as you pretty much expect, and as I know and expect, and I'm not, you know, have no gripes about it, but not everybody I know listens to my podcast, you know, and that's fine, that is totally fine, because there's so much to listen to and watch and things like that, so that's why I really, really appreciate you all listening to me, taking about an hour out of your day to listen to me while you work or something like that, or play video games or go to school or do your homework or you know do your work reports and things like that but i appreciate it and so the reason i didn't put anything out on thursday was because i went to somebody's house and um what had happened was i was pretty much because they're they're there because you know when people are waking up um gradually as time goes on and so some people i have to literally go and fill in I have to go and fill them in on everything that's been going on. And the things that, yeah, they watch the mainstream news and things like that, but they've broken out of the matrix, they've broken out of their shell, and they see the world for where it truly is. And they're asking these questions and things like that. So, pretty much, I had been going around on Thursday and I had been filling people in on what was really going on from the banking to the political aspects of it and all these different things, you know, like 1776 and uh, the colonists, Britain, the Act of 1871, all these things, the New World Order, um, you know, parts of the Book of Revelation, parts of the Book of Daniel, uh, things like that, because Daniel and Revelation really um, mirror each other, they mirror each other in a lot of aspects. And so I had to go, I was going around and I was just pretty much filling everybody in on what was really going on, you know, telling them the truth about stuff. And they were saying, oh, yeah, you were right about such and such going on a couple months ago when you said that. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that I was right about these things because a lot of the things that I'm right about uh, they're, they're bad things. You know, like when I talk about the inflation and things like that, I talk about the politics and things like that. It's a lot of bad stuff. Okay. It's, it's unfortunate that I have to be correct about a lot of bad stuff, but, um, I'm just glad that people can, uh, people are really waking up. I I'm really seeing it. Maybe, maybe you're not seeing it. Maybe, you know, and that's okay. Uh, the thing is that everyone's going to wake up on their own time. Okay. There was a time when you woke up and you were just like, wow, I can't believe this is the truth. I can't believe that's real. I can't believe this is really going on. It's like, they assassinated John F. Kennedy. He has a secret service and everything. How in the world does a president of the United States get assassinated? Well, it would have to be his own people that do it, because they're the only people that can really crack that shell that the uh, that a president has. And also, you all know, I have been uh, work, trying to get another job uh, and things like that. So... At this point, um, you know I've been. I actually applied for the job in April of this year, about seven months ago. Well, six and a half now, because I applied April twenty second, and today's the ninth, so about a month and a half ago. Um, I, I mean, not seven and a half, six and a half months ago. <laughs> not a month and a half, but six and a half months ago. And, you know, I talked to you about my interview. Actually, Well, I had this, like, you know, physical test and then a written test and then an interview with the panel, second interview with the department and uh, another interview I had with somebody else. And so I've just been through a lot of stuff, a lot of communication. But uh, they've done an incredible job of just communicating back and forth with me. And I'm so thankful to God because I feel like, I feel like this is where I uh, belong, you know, and, uh, you know, there comes a time at your current job where you stop learning. um, But, you know, you're doing your job well, but you just it's not challenging anymore. Like at my current job, it's it's kind of like it's been like that for me for for a little while now. And I really grew up at my current job. That's that's the thing about my job. I mean, I'm not going to talk down on my job now because there was a time when I didn't know anything. There was a time when I had to grow as a person. So this job was uh, um, um, imperative in my uh, personal growth, and I was there for about three years. It's a, three years. It's the longest I've ever had a job. It is my fourth job because um, I used to work at a bowling alley. I worked at a restaurant. I worked in landscaping, and now I do what I do now. Right? I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you what my current job is. I don't know if I'll ever tell you that, but I am comfortable enough now to tell you that the job I'm going into is law enforcement. Uh, i'm not gonna say where not gonna say with who or anything like that uh, but it's law enforcement and um yeah i mean at this point uh, i feel i'm feeling pretty good about it you know um you know me, you meet a lot of people you know i was i was so i was just welcome with open arms and i was really really um appreciative of that um so yeah i mean i'm excited for the future so uh a lot of, a lot of good things going on uh in my life i hope that uh things are going on in your life as well but the thing is that we all have to go through a process in order to get where we want to get to i didn't just wake up uh one day and uh know what i wanted to do you know it took uh self-exploring and working in jobs and things like that now i know what i want to do for the next 20 something years of my life 15 20 30 years of my life you know so um, but the thing is i think uh god has a plan for me uh, moving to other places, I think God has a plan for you as well, because we were chosen for this time period. You know, everybody wants to go back to the 70s or the 80s, the 90s. And I understand, you know, personally, you know, I'm not I'm not I was born in 96, but I understand like uh, a lot of people uh, would like to. You know, A lot of people who were who uh, well, my age or younger or a little older in those time periods, they'd like to go back to the 80s or the 70s and things like that. And, you know, and uh, maybe even the 90s, you know. And I, and I totally understand. Um, but the things that uh, one thing I had to learn in life was that the past is never coming back, and no matter how much you chase it, it's not. No, you're never going to affect it, affect it. You can't change the past. And the people that you knew in the past, um, you have to let them go, so that you can move on to the people who are in your life right now and are going to be in your future. That's one thing I had a, I struggled with when I was younger. I would be chasing the past. Oh, I wish I was back in this situation. I wish this person was still here. I wish my friend so-and-so was still here. I wish we still hung out. I wish we still talked. But it got to a point where it's like, uh, sorry, that was my phone in the background. If you could hear it. But um, yeah, it got to a point where I had to say, hey, you know, there are so many people in my life right now um, that want to be part of my life and want to grow with me. And there are people who are going to be in my life in the future who want to be in my life and grow with me as well. And, you know so I had to get past the past <laughs> you know uh, no no pun intended but um, yeah you just have to get past the past and things that you have to realize in your current situation you know you, you might you're gonna, you're gonna be there for a little bit okay uh, I mean God's gonna have you somewhere and you're gonna be doing a job or doing something or dealing with somebody or some situation in your life or something for a set amount of time and the things that my mom taught me this she taught me that when you're in a certain maybe you're at a certain job or situation like i talked about or you're dealing with a certain person she told me that you know it's all so that you can learn something um because if you don't learn what you need to learn uh you're not going to progress okay god's going to keep you in that spot until you learn what you need to learn okay uh you're not going to just you're not going to god's going to go from step one to step 20 uh, in chronological order, okay, God is all about chronology and things like that, you're not going to go, God's not going to bring you from step 1 all the way to step 7, okay, <laughs> it's not, it's not going to happen, I mean, um, you know, it's not really going to happen, not usually, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, you had people like Joseph in the Bible who came to be a, a uh, one of the rulers of Egypt and things like that, I think he was like second to Pharaoh, if I remember correctly, and uh, yeah, that's th- that type of stuff can't happen. It it absolutely can. But the thing is that when Joe, the things that Joseph was in jail, he was a slave and he was jailed, and he had to learn something in jail. He had to learn something as a slave, so he could get to the jail, so then he could get to the top of Egypt. Okay, you have to learn something every step of your life. All right, so it's enough of my opening soliloquy. So, I will go on and talk about our stuff. There is so much I wanted to bring up. So, I think that I'm just going to bring up um, just a bunch of random stories I've heard about first. And talk about those first. Because I don't want to forget about those. I want to get those in um, before I do some other stuff like the politics and the economy. And so, I want to start out with the governor... Of California. Actually, no. Before we get there, let's go to New Jersey. Okay, so New Jersey. I thought that the Republican won in New Jersey. Um, my last segment, I was talking about that, and it it seems as if the Republican had won because one a Republican did win in Virginia, um, but it seemed as if a Republican had won also in New Jersey. But I guess that was not the case um, because it looked like the like I said. Uh, it looked like uh Phil Murphy of New Jersey who was like he's like the, he was like the third worst governor in the country okay he's the, he he put uh covid patients in nursing homes and killed people it seemed as if he had lost the re-election and the thing is that and this was on November 2nd if i remember correctly. i think that was a tuesday i think the 2nd was a tuesday and so this they still are Seven days later, a week later, they're still trying to update who had won the gubernatorial election. It's ridiculous. Usually, it's like, it's funny how we always knew who won on election night every single time, except for 2020, okay? 2016, we knew it was Trump. 2012 was Obama. 2008 was Obama. 2004, George Bush. 2000 was George Bush. And we knew every single time, 1996, Bill Clinton, you know, we knew exactly who had won every single time. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we don't know who won on election night. Isn't that funny? Okay, and as I'm going to actually AmonPolitico.com for the 2021 election results of New Jersey, and they're saying that Governor Phil Murphy defeated Republican Jack Cetarelli. In New Jersey's gubernatorial race, becoming the first Democratic governor re-elected since 1977. Now, this vote took place initially on the 2nd of November, election day, and today is the 9th, as you know. And there is ni- there's still 97% of the voted of the vote is in. 97% of the vote is in in a week, they, it's, it's, it's a week later, and they can't get 100% of the results, it, it's just incredible, you know, um, what, it was that 70,000, about 69,000 votes that, uh, Phil Murphy won by, projected, um, so they don't have, they have still 3% of the vote, and it's like 51%, 48.2%, but that's the thing, it's like, it's still taking so long for them to get this finalized, you know, all right, so another thing I want to talk about is that allegedly, um, this was posted in one of the group chats I'm in, and somebody was saying that the, well, I guess the CEO uh, of, of, of Pfizer, they're saying that he got arrested. Um, I looked that up, and I could not find anything on that. Yeah, allegedly he was arrested, but I could not find any concrete proof on that. Okay, That didn't come from any of my sources either. I don't know what sources he was using. But yeah, I mean, some of his sources were saying that the Justice Department announced the largest uh, health care fraud uh, settlement in its history. And Pfizer has to pay $2.3 billion. But that actually, that was a 2009 thing he was talking about. Okay, so he might have, well, he said he had, he had put another picture that, that said Albert Borla has allegedly been arrested and charged with fraud. Let's get to know more about the chairman and chief executive officer of the i could not find anything like that in my sources um because a lot of these things he posted you know i look it up there's so many sources say uh why is he arrested was he arrested was he uh, allegedly doing fraud you know so that's the thing they're asking the question was he arrested you know i i don't uh i i don't know really what to make of that i i haven't seen any proof that he's been arrested could have been i don't know but um another thing okay so Governor of California, Gavin Newsom. Okay, so Robert Malone, the creator of the mRNA vaccines, who tells people not to take the mRNA vaccines, he says on Twitter, he said, My sincere condolences to Governor Newsom of California. It is being reported that he has had a COVID vaccine induced injury, GBS, and I hope he recovers quickly, as vaccine induced GBS can be a difficult paralytic syndrome. Okay, so, because Newsom hasn't been seen in, like, 10 or 12 days, okay, he hasn't been seen in 10 or 12 days, and, uh, you know, of course, if you look this up on, on, you know, on Google or things like that, of course, the mainstream media is just saying that it's it's for family issues and things like that, my sources are telling me that it is a COVID vaccine-related injury, okay, That's what I've been told by my sources, okay? And I trust them, of course. I trust my sources over the mainstream media. Okay, so I'm going to roll with he had a vaccine-induced injury, and even the creator of the the mRNA technology for the vaccine is saying that it was uh, a a vaccine booster injury because I guess he got his booster. So, uh, yeah, don't let the mainstream media spin spin it up on you. Oh, okay, I actually found something in my notes about... uh, Borla from uh, Pfizer. Okay, so uh, B- Borla was actually speaking with the uh, Washington D.C. based think tank called Atlantic Council, and he said, "quote People who spread misinformation on the vaccines are criminals and have cost millions of lives." Unquote. Uh, so yeah, we're the enemy now. We're criminals. We deserve to be jailed. Well, actually, they deserve to be jailed because we're sp- we're spreading the truth about the vaccine. They're spreading the lies. Alright, so moving on. Once again keep in mind that these are just a bunch of the random stories I've seen floating around. So uh just just forgive me. I'm gonna be sorry about that, that's my phone. I'm going to be um swapping topics, jumping around topics for uh for a little bit here. Probably until about twenty twenty three minutes. Uh, so okay, so Apple iOS 5, 15.1, If you have an iPhone, you know it's the new update. So pretty much, at, you know if you don't have, if you don't have an iPhone, you don't know how iPhones work. So Apple will release updates every so often. It'll be iOS, um, which is it'll be a number like 4.5, 4.6, 4.7. So we're at iOS fifteen point one. I apologize once again. That's my phone here. Let me put it on silent here. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so it says Apple uh, has released. You know, Apple ads. Apple has released their 15.1 for iOS and it uh, iOS 15.1 adds SharePlay, an entirely new way to have shared experiences with family and friends and FaceTime. This release also adds the, the ability to capture ProRes video using the iPhone 13 pro and iPhone 13 pro max, as well as verifiable COVID-19 vaccination cards in the Apple wallet. And it includes other features and bugs fi- fixes for your iPhone. So yeah, they're going to have the vaccination cards on their phones. Uh, what other country on the planet has vaccine cards on their phones? Oh, wait. China. Coincidence? I think not. All right, moving on. So John Durham has struck again. He has hit a home run once again. Okay, so John Durham has now indicted a gentleman by the name of Igor denchanko Okay, it's spelled Igor, I-G-O-R, and Denchanko is spelled D A N C H A N K. Oh, uh, It says the Igor Danchenko indictment is out. One of the main sources of Trump-Russia info turned out to be a Hillary Clinton advisor with deep ties to the Clintons and the DNC. The Mueller team knew that Danchenko lied and the Mueller team did nothing about it. So this article comes from technofog.sub. Stack.com, It says the Danchenko indictment. John Durham has another scalp on November 3rd of 2021. Igor Danchenko, Christopher Steele's primary subsource, was arrested by federal authorities. Now we have his indictment. Danchenko has been charged with false statements to federal officials during his 2017 interviews with the FBI. According to the indictment, Danchenko lied about his contacts with the Russians, his travels to Russia and the identity of his sources. Now, John Durham wrote. quote, First, Danchenko stated falsely that he had never communicated with a particular U.S.-based individual who was a longtime participant in Democratic Party, uh, excuse me, Democratic Party politics and was then at the was, and was then an executive at a U.S. public relations firm about any allegations contained in the company reports. In truth and in fact, and as Danchenko well knew. Danchenko sourced one or more specific allegations and the company reports anonymously to that public relations firm. And the public relations firm here is uh, is not listed here, folks. Durham goes on. He says, second, Danchenko stated falsely during the interviews that in or about late of July of 2016, he received an anonymous phone call from an individual who Danchenko believed to be a particular U.S. citizen and who was then president of the Russian-American Chamber of Commerce. His name is not listed here. He goes on and says Danchenko also falsely stated that during this phone call, the person he believed to be the chamber president informed him in part about information that the company reports later. Uh, described as demonstrating a well-developed conspiracy of cooperation between the Trump campaign and Russian officials. And Danchenko and the aforementioned person agreed to meet in New York. In truth and in fact, and as Danchenko well knew, Danchenko never received such a phone call or such information from any person he believed to be that chamber president. And Danchenko never made any arrangements to meet that chamber president in New York. Rather, Danchenko fabricated these facts regarded. Regarding that chamber president, unquote. So, article from uh, from Technofog goes on says, uh, for purposes of background on the second charge, Danchenko alleged he received a call from Russian reporter and businessman Sergei Mil- Milian alleging Trump alleging alleging a Trump slash Russia conspiracy. Milion has long denied placing this call. This call was important because it was the basis in part of the FISA warrants against Carter Page. Durham's investigation revealed Danchenko never received such a phone call or such information from Million. I think that uh, one of these days I'm going to do a t- uh, like a, probably a thirty minute uh, audio, and I'm going to sit up there and actually explain to you the web of lies that goes with this uh, Russia stuff, Trump Russia stuff. Okay, I- I'll actually like explain it to you probably for like thirty minutes. Not today, but uh, another day. So, pretty much, Robert Robert Mueller knew that this guy, Danchenko, was lying about it, and Robert Mueller did nothing. So, uh, this should tell you all you need to know about these people. This guy, Danchenko, was uh, an advisor to Hillary Clinton, who made this stuff about, about Russia to get uh, a FISA warrant on, on Donald Trump. And FISA court is a foreign intelligence surveillance uh, apparatus. Okay, so, that's just corrupt. Okay, we're seeing these people being taken down, though. So, of course, you know, we're not going to get the big indictments, uh, you know, for now okay because it would just it would just rupture across humanity okay but we need to you pretty much have to take down the system from the uh from the bottom up okay you have to you have to get the low level people who are going to be thrown out to the wolves so that the higher level people uh can try to escape all right so let's go ahead and talk about the economy so the the St. Louis Federal Reserve, okay, because we know the Federal Reserve has branches in many different in many different uh, states, you know, like Atlanta, Boston, San Francisco, and this there's one in St. Louis as well, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, so the St. Louis Fed president named James Bullard, he, he argued that the United States is in, quote, pretty good shape for economic growth, unquote, and pointed out that GDP is above pre-pandemic levels, so we already fully recovered in that sense from the pandemic, and the pandemic isn't even over yet. He also stressed that he believes that we're looking at a very rapidly expanding economy. GDP, the broadest measure of economic performance, grew at a 2% annual rate during the three months uh, through September. Uh, Excuse me. I think that's like until September. So July. So July through September. Okay, so... The weakest of, reco- uh, of the weakest of the recovery, according to an advanced estimate released last month by the Commerce Department, so July through September was pretty much the weakest uh, growth in the economy this year after the pandemic. And so the thing is that the Fed is talking about how the economy is recovering and it's in pretty good shape, but they said this. They said they said the same thing right before the crash of two thousand eight and two thousand nine. Okay. Now let's move on here. So this comes from uh, that first article about the federal reserve that came from FoxNews.com. Now, the next uh, thing we're going to look at is something from Breitbart.com. So the, you know, remember when Joe Biden got elected and with the stroke of a pen, just killed 40,000 jobs with the Keystone pipeline. Well, there's more. (laughs) So the Biden uh, and the Biden Harris administration is considering closing a second pipeline as gas prices soar. So before I even read this, does that make sense? So gas prices are going up, and because one of the pipelines closed, there are less places to get gas, and so the prices will go up because more people are demanding. Supply is getting lower, demand goes up. Supply and demands, economics, here, basic economics. And I am not an economics guy, uh, trust me, because I've I, I, I taken economics in high school and college, Awful, awful stuff, right? Boring, okay? It'll put you to sleep, all right? So article says, comes from Breitbart.com. it says, The Biden-Harris administration on Monday reportedly began weighing the closure of a Michigan oil pipeline where gas prices have tripled since 2020. It's funny how it's in Michigan, The, the motor city, what they call it. Now, the administration is considering a request from 12 federally recognized tribes... Native American tribes, to counsel the 78-year-old Line 5 oil pipeline the Daily Mail had reported. The pipeline is owned by a Canadian company named Enbridge, E-N-B-R-I-D-G-E, Enbridge. Now, the tribes had sent a letter to the Biden-Harris administration on Friday to request their help in terminating in what they call an existential threat to our Tr- uh, our treaty protected rights, resources, and fundamental way of life. Unquote. The tribes also called on President Biden to honor his campaign promise to protect fundamental interests. Unquote. That is, uh, hmm. I could say something about that, but I'm, but I won't. Now they argue that the oil pipeline infringes on the 1836 Treaty of Washington, which uh, ceded Oji- Ojibwe, O-G-I, Ojibwe. Ojibwe and Odawa lands in Michigan in exchange for fishing, hunting, and gathering rights on the treaty territory. But Jason Hayes, who is the director of environmental policy at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy, believes that canceling the pipeline would violate an agreement with Canada that allows the pipeline to flow between the two countries. All right, so let's take a look at another article. This comes from Breitbart. It's about the infrastructure law. That hints at China's role in Biden's push for electric vehicles and it could threaten American jobs. So, you know, about the $3.5 trillion travesty, it's on Joe Biden's desk or it's being sent there. And of course, Republicans did help send that to Joe Biden's desk. The thing is that there is a provision in this uh, bill. It's a paragraph about forced labor in China and the communist Chinese party's role in the supply chain needed to grow a fleet of electric vehicles in the United States And you notice that one of the top priorities of the left and Joe Biden is shutting down fossil fuels in the United States and allowing China to profit while destroying American jobs and sending them overseas. Now, according to the text of the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, one of the paragraphs mentions China and asks for an analysis from the Secretaries of Energy, State and Commerce 120 days after the bill became law. It says not later, not later than 120 days after the date of the enactment of this act, the secretary, in coordination with the Secretary of State, Secretary of Commerce, and the Secretary of Commerce, shall study the impact of forced labor in China on the electric vehicle supply chain. China China, China dominates the EV supply chain, according to many studies. Bloomberg NEF intelligence summarized uh, the tally. They say China has control of 80. Eight zero percent of the world's world's raw material refining, seventy seven percent of the world's cell capacity, and sixty percent of the world's component manufacturing. China's dominance of the industry is expected to be is to be expected given its huge investments and the policies the country has implemented over the past decade. And that was comes from James Frith, who is the head of energy storage for Bloomberg NEF in a report from twenty twenty. All right, so another article here and this one comes from the new york post and so the supply chain is being stalled and it's there's seventy two thousand truckers who failed strict drug tests so there's a dire uh, truck driver shortage that you know we already know we talked about that in the past and so we're seeing from the new york post that uh the drug—it's actually, the, excuse me—the the truck driver shortage is wreaking havoc on the economy in the United States, and it's getting worse. Okay, it's being fueled partly by tough federal drug testing restrictions that were imposed nationwide last year, and uh, industry officials, with truck driving industry, uh, a lot of those officials told the the New York Post that. Now, more than seventy-two thousand truck drivers have been taken off the roads since January 2020 because they have failed drug tests and are now required by the The Drug and Alcohol Clearinghouse, which is a 22-month-old registry established to increase safety on U.S. highways, according to government data. That's a lot, considering uh, that the American Trucking Association, uh, which also blames the pandemic and a lack of younger drivers among other factors, recently pegged the industry's overall driver shortfall at 80,000, up from 60,000 to uh, excuse me in 2018 and 50,000 in 2017. So, uh, yeah, our truck driver shortage went from 50,000 in 2017 to 80,000 here this year. All right, so moving on. So, if we look at zerohedge.com, they're showing us that uh, Fed Governor. randall quarles he's going to step down from the central bank in the last week of december so in october the fed announced that vice chairman for supervision randall quarles will be removed from his role as the main watchdog of wall street banks after his four-year term officially expired and brainard is the only sitting governor on the board appointed by a democrat who is seen as a contender for all three leadership positions so uh, a gentleman by the name of stanfield cap on Twitter, he put out. He says he actually replied to Zero Hedge, putting out this article. He said, "So, if you, so Biden now has four Federal Reserve posts to fill, and if you think they won't be ultra doves, you have no idea who's really running the country." Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think these people are gonna hit us hard. Absolutely, I think Biden's gonna hit. Uh, start appointing people who are willing to slam and destroy us financially. And I think it's going to push uh, cryptocurrency even higher. So you notice that cryptocurrency, man, I mean, uh, I was, you know, during the weekend. So after, about during the weekend, I don't really pay attention to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency during the weekend. Um, Because I just, I don't even mess with it. I just keep investing in it. I don't really mess, I don't move the money very much. But... Um, one thing, uh, you notice is that, uh, you know, on my group chat one day, somebody said Bitcoin's at $67,000 and I went in, I looked at it and it was red when you, know, red meaning it was like dropped lower and then green mini went a little higher. So it was red at 67,000, you know, 67,000 in, and in change. Right. And so I'm thinking to myself, so it could have been at, I mean, I don't, I don't have any evidence it was at 70, but it could have hit 70 very, very quickly and dropped back down. But, hey, I mean, it's at $67,000. As I speak right now, it's at $67,000. So if you invested in Bitcoin at any time and held it, you, you've you made money as I speak. You know, that's a guarantee. If you've, if you've invested even $1 in cryptocurrency, in Bitcoin, and if you in, in held it over any length of time, you've made money, okay? And so we're seeing from... ZeroHedge.com, another one from ZeroHedge.com. So, Peter Thiel, who is a billionaire, he warns uh, Bitcoin exposes our current crisis moment. Okay, so the outspoken uh, billionaire, Peter Thiel, he said last week at the National Conservatism Conference that the higher price of Bitcoin is an indicator of U.S. inflation, which also uh, has recently touched a 13-year high. He says, quote, you know, $60,000 Bitcoin, I'm not sure that one should aggressively buy, uh, but surely what that is telling us is that we are having a crisis moment. Bitcoin's the canary in a coal mine. It's the most honest market we have in the country and it's telling us that this old regime is about to explode. Unquote. Dan Held puts on Twitter, he says, Jeffries, A $450 billion asset manager has sold a portion of his gold allocation to purchase Bitcoin. Eventually every asset manager manager in the world will do this. Buckle up. I think you're right to buckle up. I agree. Um, because you notice that, that, that $3.5 trillion infrastructure travesty that got sent to Joe Biden's desk with the help of Democrats and Republicans together, because they're both awful. um, over ninety percent of that that infrastructure deal is the Green New Deal, and less than ten percent is infrastructure. Okay, so they might as well burn that money because it's going to give us uh, all the inflation you could you could ever even imagine. Okay, it's it's going to be hyperinflation. Okay, just like the Weimar Republic. If you don't know about the Weimar Republic um, and the hyperinflation with the French and the Belgian and uh, things like that. Look at that stuff, you know, because a lot of those are workers in the Weimar Republic, which was Germany. The Weimar Republic became Germany. I mean, Germany became the Weimar Republic after World War One. And then you have Prussia and all that stuff. Right. And so during the Weimar Republic. Uh, so the workers in the Weimar Republic, which is Germany at this point, those workers had to get paid twice a day because their salaries were worth nothing by lunchtime okay so they get paid twice a day okay so you get you go in there you get paid you got to go get lunch and then uh your salary is worthless at this point and then you have to go and get paid again at the end of the day because they're printing money that quick the german marks they're printing them that quick and i also have my personal suspicion that china is printing american dollars as well that's my suspicion i think north korea and china are both printing american dollars as well now, that's not something I can verify. It's just my suspicion, once again. thing is that I wouldn't be surprised if it, was, if it was happening, and I'm sure that you wouldn't be surprised if it was really happening. All right, so we know about the Let's Go Brandon stuff. You know what that is. F is. Uh, uh, Let's Go Brandon is pretty much synonymous with the saying the FJB. And so Trump actually put out his, uh, you know, Trump had something to say about that. They asked him about the Let's Go Brandon chant. He said, but I still like the first phrase better somehow. It's more accurate. Yeah, he's talking about the FJB. He likes FJB better than Let's Go Brandon. I'm not going to promulgate profanity on here. But, uh, you know, I guess Let's Go Brandon is just the thing. You know, and they, these songs, I'm telling you, these songs are just top of the charts right now. I just, yes, I've said it before. A lot of these conservatives will make rap music and Trump rap music and things like that. And it is the corniest music you can ever even listen to. Um, coming from somebody like me, I just I think it's super corny. Um, but hey, it it it's more than it's it's about the message. I get it. Now. you know it's about the message and everything and the things that these things are topping the iTunes charts and things like that. All right, so if you thought that they were done spending our money, think again. Samantha Power and the Biden regime announced a $300 million payday to the Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala for equitable economic growth, human rights, and fighting gender-based violence in migration uh, root causes funding. Okay, So, I don't know if these people are going to get three $300 million a pop. Ooh, they probably will. It'll probably be three, three, and three. Um, but it says three hundred million dollar payout. It's probably, it's probably gonna be all three. It's probably gonna be we're probably gonna spend a billion dollars and give them all all that money. Now they're pretty much gifting El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras this uh, as their populations continue to flood across the United States southern border. Now the payments announced uh, by a clueless idiot Samantha Power. And it's going to pay for programs uh, to advance the equitable growth, confront gender-based violence, and protect human rights. So, how is that going to confront gender-based violence? Okay. Uh, I mean, what is that money going to do? I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. That's what I don't get. How is that money going to confront gender-based violence okay they say it's going to pay for programs to advance equitable growth you know what those people are going to do they get that money and that's going to go right into the pockets of their politicians okay that's where it's going okay they won't show us they won't do open source funding and show us where the money is really going that comes from the gatewaypundit.com you know this is crazy how people say oh the united states is so racist and trump was so racist for his border policies and things like that and his immigration policies okay look ladies and gentlemen did you know that in the country of Japan, Japan, Japan is a first world country. In Japan, if you are born in Japan and you are not Japanese, you are not a citizen. Okay? They want Japanese people to be citizens. I, I don't have a problem with that. Okay? It's just that, you know, it kind of seemed weird to me at first because, you know, in the United States, if someone's born here, they're automatically a citizen per the Constitution. Um, even if you have an illegal immigrant who comes across the border and then they become and they have a child. That child's an American citizen and that child can get their family in pretty much, right? So Trump was uh, thinking about, Trump wanted to end that natural birth. Uh, it's called like natural birth or something like that. Uh, I forget what it's called at the moment. It's, it, it, it escapes me. But Trump was actually going on. He wanted to end that. And the media was just panicking. They were just going nuts, okay? Um, and then people on social media were going nuts as well. And so we know that our political class wants illegal immigrants to come into the country so that they can work for almost nothing. And so the rich people can keep their wages. They don't have really have to like pay people as much because you have to pay American citizens more than you have to pay illegal immigrants, right? And because there's a minimum wage, and the thing is that if you're not a citizen, you won't get you won't get minimum wage and things like that. And so we know they also want to vote, too. They promise them, hey, we'll give you all this money and all these cars, these houses, these welfare programs if you just come to the United States. And they're going to be like, oh, we'll go to the United States, and we will just vote for you so we can keep getting more benefits. I do not blame the illegal immigrants for coming over the border. That's that one thing I won't do. I, I mean, I would do it, too. Okay, if, if I was an illegal immigrant and Joe and Biden was trying to pay my family four hundred fifty grand a person. Uh, when only 1.3 million people in the United States make $500,000 a year, if he's trying to pay my family 450 grand a person, like a million dollars per family, if, he, if, if Joe Biden was trying to make us millionaires and we and I was an illegal immigrant, I'd come too. I'd come try to get some welfare too. It's free, you know. Then I get a job, I can work and get some welfare and do all that stuff. I, I, that's better than being in in a country that I don't know, like. Uh, El Salvador somewhere where you have, like, you know, gangs and things like that, and the cartels, and, uh, so, yeah, there's gangs and stuff everywhere, but it's more organized over there than it would be somewhere like America, um, it's more out in the open, things that like, you're getting free stuff, you know, it's a safer place to live, I mean, for now, but, uh, hey, you're getting free stuff, so why not, you know, I don't blame illegal immigrants, I don't blame them, they're doing what's natural, you, you, you go where you want it, okay, you go where you want it, you vote with your feet, pretty much, right, I blame our political class, okay, because they want to get these people into the United States. And one thing you notice is that Joe Biden's been doing is that Joe Biden's been putting these illegal immigrants, because he wants their votes, he's been putting these illegal immigrants into states that go against them, like red states and things like that. So the thing is that if Joe Biden really got 81 million votes and people really wanted him overwhelmingly over Donald Trump, Joe Biden wouldn't have the need to smuggle illegal immigrants into places like Florida and Texas, okay? Because we're seeing from BeckerNews.com that the Biden administration is so desperate to keep Florida from getting redder that it's now smuggling secret flights into the state packed, excuse me, into the state that's packed with illegal illegal immigrants. Okay, Ron DeSantis, uh, his public safety czar, Larry Keefe, recently disclosed these flights which might have been going into the Sunshine State, try saying that five times fast, Sunshine State, uh, <laughs> into in the cover of night. So there have been more than 70 flights transporting migrants from the southern border to Jacksonville, Florida, and they have landed in the dark of night in recent months as the Biden administration struggles to empty, overflowing border facilities. Kind of sounds like how they did the same thing with Texas. They pretty much ship those illegal immigrants, those Haitian immigrants, over there to the Rio Grande. And then there's like 10,000 of them. And then all of a sudden they're gone. Greg, Greg Abbott's going to act like he's actually going to do something. And then he starts start trying to build a border a border wall after the, the majority of the illegal immigrants already got into Texas. Uh, yeah. I mean, so the official, who is uh, Biden's uh, post-safety czar, He he says, quote, it is the first time the state of Florida has disclosed the number of confirmed flights arriving in the state since the summer. The governor's office has scrambled in recent weeks to uncover who is facilitating the mystery flights landing in northern Florida daily. But the Biden administration has refused to disclose any such information, unquote. He says, actually, yeah, he said he goes on. He says, on average, there's 36 passengers on each of these flights. And that has been going on over the course of the summer through September. That's a lot of people if they do it like every other day. Okay, so we know about that climate summit, you know, that climate summit where they had a bunch of those private jets going on and emitting all that CO2 into the atmosphere. You know, all those private jets and those cars were idling and they, all together, the private jets and the cars emitted more CO2 into the atmosphere than the country of Norway in an entire year. And they did that over the course of a couple of days and they they outpaced Norway, what Norway does in terms of CO2 in a year, right? And so Barack Obama got up there on the climate change thing, you know. That's that's the thing about him. He's he's he, it's weird because every other president kinda goes away after they're in office. They kinda go away. Like even Donald Trump hasn't oh, Donald Trump's yeah, well, yeah, Donald Trump does it too. He's been out here having rallies and stuff like that, but there's a reason for that. And I guess there's a reason for there's a reason for Obama too. But the thing is like those two they don't go away. You know, they just don't go away, you know, you know, Bush and Clinton And uh, Jimmy Carter, they're just gone. You don't see them. You don't see them very much anymore. But Barack Obama got up there on the climate change thing. And uh, Obama blames the rise of, uh, excuse me, Obama blames what he calls, quote, the rise of nationalism and tribal impulses around the world, unquote, for hurting the global response to climate change, blaming a, quote, lack of leadership on America's part for four years on a host of multilateral issues, unquote. And that was a preview of his speech that was provided to CNN. Now, Trump actually withdrew from uh, the Paris Climate Court in 2017. And pretty much the translation for what Obama was saying, here, the translation is pretty much Trump just messed up what they were trying to do. Their, their 16-year plan. He messed it up. And uh, the things that... They're way behind. The enemy is way behind what they wanted to do, you know, get us into the war and bring bring America down and things like that. And people are waking up way too fast and rejecting the plan. You see people protesting all over the world, you know. It's not just the United States, you know, it's happening all over the world. I actually have a couple things that I saved on Telegram about this. And so in London, we're actually seeing there's something called Guy Fox Night, G-U-I-F-A-W-K-E-S. I don't know who Guy Fox is. But uh, it's something called Guy Fawkes Night in London, and there's something they had. They had something called uh, the Million Mask March in Parliament Square, and you see protest, protesters clashing with the police. Okay, it's uh, quite quite a lot of people. And you know that you know they're having you know protests in New York. You see people walk down the streets and all over the world. Okay, France, especially France, because they actually they they don't like Macron in France. They really don't. Alright, so moving on, I have an article here from the New York Post, and it says, this sure looks like the Biden DOJ is persecuting an opposition journalist. So, this opposition journalist is someone that you have heard of before. I've talked about him. I've played some of his clips. The name of this gentleman is James O'Keefe of Project Veritas. You know, Project Veritas, the one that a lot of times they get those secret cameras they can go through and record things and get the scoop on things, like Pfizer employees and things like that. Well, Federal agents actually searched the New York homes of people tied to the conservative group Project Veritas months after the group received a diary that a tipster claimed belonged to President Biden's daughter. And James O'Keefe said this on Friday, November 5th. Article says, you don't have to be a fan of James O'Keefe's style of journalism to be worried about how the government is reacting to it. The FBI and Manhattan federal prosecutors are investigating the case of Ashley Biden's diary. The president's daughter says it was stolen in a burglary last year. An obscure white right-wing website found, wound up publishing what it said are pages from about 10 days before the election. O'Keefe says someone shopped the diary to his Project Veritas claiming Biden had left it somewhere. His outfit didn't use it, and he says he informed law enforcement of the whole thing. But he has some ties to the outfit that uh, that did publish, which seemed to be why the feds raided the homes of several and current former Veritas employees before dawn. So, James O'Keefe is outraged that the feds urged him not to go public with his subpoenas, but someone dropped a dime to the New York Times, which stated, excuse me, which started calling for a comment an hour after the first raids on Thursday morning. So, journalists can't be prosecuted for publishing stolen material unless they are part of the theft. And the theft in question hardly seems to rise to a federal crime. But you have federal agents raiding for theft. huh? And the thing is that, as we know... O'Keefe wasn't even part of the raid. huh that's just overstepping of uh, of jurisdiction. Now you can't do that. Now shield laws normally mean law enforcement cannot make reporters re- reveal a thing about their sources, even if they didn't publish anything. Journalists regularly publish material that that has been leaked or even taken, and consider the Times, meaning the New York Times, running President Donald Trump's tax returns. Now, unless the feds know something about the Veritas sanctioning the burglary, the diary does not warrant pre-dawn raids. It has all the marks of a political vendetta. And this is not a good look for the Biden Justice Department, which is is already in ill, ill repute for intimidating parents who just ask questions at school board meetings. There's a gentleman on Twitter by the name of Cenk Uygur, C E N K U Y G U R. He's from the Young Turks. I used to actually watch the Young Turks a good amount a couple years ago, and so Cenk Uygur, he's a smart guy, but he's 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 just wrong about a lot of things. He's actually one of the people I actually learned about uh, the war and the oil debacle from how you know they launder stuff into the money, they launder money into the hands of politicians through war and things like that. Now. He goes on Twitter, and he puts up a poll. He makes his own poll. He says, this poll is so hard, I don't know how I'm going to answer it. Who has done more damage to this country? So there are 132,000 votes, which is a good amount of votes, and this was on the 6th of November at about 2.40 in the afternoon. And so his two there are two choices for the poll. It's right-wing media or corporate media, right? He's asking, who's done more damage? Okay, 132,000 votes. 93 percent of people picked the corporate media over the right-wing media i mean fox news one America news and things like that and so most of the people who voted and and he is a democrat guy he is he's a bernie sanders aoc type of guy you know that's what he likes and one hundred thirty-two thousand people voted on this they voted on this poll and a lot of you know One thing you notice about social media is that people who are left-leaning follow left-leaning politicians. People who are right-leaning follow right and left-wing politicians. How do we know this? Well, Andrew Yang even said this, Democrat presidential candidate Andrew Yang. He said, I noticed that liberals will only follow liberals, but conservatives will follow liberals and conservatives. We should change that. Okay? Meaning he wants the liberals to follow conservatives as well. Um, and you notice hundred once again 132 thousand people 93 percent said the corporate media like CNN Fox MSNBC is harming the country over the right- wing media <laughs> people like Project Veritas you know people like the Daily wire. Wow Un- I mean I didn't think that it would be like that it's that's beautiful so uh, Mr. Uger you can go ahead and hold this L okay you just you just you look stupid all right. So, moving on, so Poland actually put their territorial defense forces on alert as large numbers of migrants gather uh, on the border with uh, Belarus, and people are chanting, Germany, Germany, and the migrants at the uh, Belarusian-Polish border are chanting this after they have torn down a section of the border fence. All right, so moving on, I I don't think any of you are going to be surprised about this, but... Okay, this comes from Disco.tv TV on Telegram. They say Communist Party leader and China's President Xi Jinping is set to unveil a new doctrine that could let him rule for life. Only two men in the Communist Party's history have ever written a so-called historical resolution. China is waiting to see whether Xi becomes the third. I think I think the first one might have been Mao Zedong. I think he might have been the first one. I don't know the second one, but I think the first one might have been Mao Zedong, who led the Communist Revolution of China in 1949. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm not surprised he wants to rule for life. Okay, look at Vladimir Putin. I mean I don't think there's anything that says Vladimir Putin's going to rule for life, but it's kind of like when you have an, an election in Russia, it's like are you voting for Putin or Vladimir Putin? You know, it's kinda, that's just what it is. And the United States went and tried to condemn Russia for having a rigged election when we had a rigged election in 2020. Oh, beautiful, right? So duplicitous. Mm-mm-mm. So Antifa and they're back on the prowl. Antifa terrorists violently attack an anti lockdown slash vaccine mandate rally in Boston, Massachusetts. That's on Twitter. It comes from Old Row Viral. O L D R O W V I R A L. Old Row Viral. All right, so we know Joe Biden has enacted, you know, ALSHA has put up a, a vaccine mandate for pretty much everybody that goes into effect like January 4th of 2022 or something like that, you know? And so you notice that Biden surge in general doesn't rule out extending vaccine mandates to businesses with fewer than 100 employees. You know, that's that's what they do. Just like just like the tax thing. Biden said we're only going to tax people that make four hundred thousand dollars a year. They're going to be like, oh, now it's two hundred thousand. Now it's one hundred thousand. Now it's fifty thousand. Now it's twenty five thousand. That's what it's going to that's what it's going to do. So at first, Biden was like, oh, OK, we're only going to do the vaccine mandate to people with more than 100 employees. I don't, I don't understand why it would be 100 employees. But the thing is that it's it's. Because most small businesses don't have 100 employees. And so you say, okay, it's everybody with more than 100 employees. So all the small businesses go, oh, good, we're safe. Oh, thank God. And so Biden, and then they go, okay, well, if you have 90 employees, now you have 80. Now you have 50. Now if you have 20 employees, if you're (laughs) self-employed, that's what they're going to do, okay? So the Surgeon General's name is Vivek Murthy. He didn't rule out extending the vaccine mandate to businesses with less than 100 employees. And... Biden's probably going to extend the vaccine mandate to all businesses. That comes from the thegatewaypundit.com. So, Shams Sharania, S-H-A-M-S-C-H-A-R-A-N-I-A, Shams Sharania. He is on Twitter. He's a blue checkmark guy. Put this out on Twitter. He said, Uh, He said the NBA and the National Basketball Players Association are now recommending that all players, coaches, front officer and front office and personnel who are in in tier one should get a vaccine. So he also quotes his own tweet. He goes, the NBA informed teams today that all players who received the J&J vaccine at least two months ago will be subject to game day testing begin beginning December 1st if they do not receive in the additional booster shot. They are trying to kill these athletes here, okay? They are trying to kill these people. And so with that, there's something absolutely beautiful about our constitutional federation because we are a constitutional federation. And one of the things that goes with our constitutional federation because it was one of the ways it was set up by our founding fathers to work from the bottom up and not the top down, so bottom up rule, not top down rule, is federalism all right so federalism. So this is a, this is an example of federalism here okay So you know how Biden put the you know vaccine mandate into effect and things like that Well, in a way to to uphold federalism, the ICA, which is the industrial Commit- Commission of Arizona, they say that businesses in Arizona do not have to follow Biden and OSHA's vaccine mandate and OSHA gave the ICA the authority to make our their own safety rules in 1974, and no media is reporting this because they don't want you to know this. That is federalism at work, okay? Yeah, you can make a federal law or whatever, but the state can tell their citizens, oh, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do what they say, okay? And the thing is that it's a mandate, but it's not a law. Did Congress pass a law? Anyways, now... We're seeing that vaccine makers are now studying why the vaccine is causing heart problems. Oh, this comes from the conservative treehouse.com. So the Wall Street Journal is reporting that vaccine makers and U.S. healthcare officials are now attempting to find out why the mRNA vaccines are creating adverse events and heart conditions in healthy people. Maybe, isn't it funny how the governor of California has something going on and now they want to investigate? Mm, mm-mm. Interesting, right? All right, I was trying to find the audio on this, but you know, it's been buried. They hit it with the algorithm like 20 times over. And so we're seeing from the Red Cross that the Red Cross does need blood donors, but there is a caveat here. And what is the caveat? Here is the caveat okay, those vaccinated cannot donate plasma. So if you're vaccinated, they don't want your blood. Don't even do it. Okay, there's something. So (laughs) if. The thing is that if you get a flu shot, you can still donate blood. You get a tetanus shot, you can still donate blood. All these other things, you can still donate blood. But all of a sudden, because of these COVID vaccines, you cannot donate blood. I apologize if you, if you can hear the sirens in the background. It's, it's kind of raining outside. You know, people can't drive and they just like to get in car accidents. But all of a sudden, you can't donate blood when you get a after you get a COVID vaccine, huh? Ah, that that is really interesting to me. That that, that begs my question. Does the mRNA COVID vaccine do something that changes, modifies, or alters the blood or the cell or the, uh, the, okay, the blood, the red blood cell and or the plasma in the cell? Huh. So that's interesting to think about. There is a, I think he's a professional hockey player. He's 24 years old. His name is Boris Sadecki. And he's, he's Slovenian, so a Slavic player passes away after he had a, uh, he, had, he passed away from cardiac arrest uh, during a game. My guess, he had a vaccine. Alright, so I have something here. Uh, I don't remember who this gentleman was, but he actually talked about his experience trying to... Uh, Get uh, something from the pharmacy. So it goes like this. He says, I had called America's Frontline Doctors for COVID treatment a few months ago. They sent my prescription out and said that I would be contacted by the pharmacy within 48 hours. Two weeks later, they hadn't contacted me. I called the pharmacy where my script went only to find out that they were no longer associated with the AFLD, which is America's Frontline Doctors. So I emailed AFLD and told them my script. Uh, told them to send my script to a local pharmacy who I knew would fill my script quickly. Three weeks later, I got a response that they had sent my script to another pharmacy and that they would contact me shortly with my prescription. At this point, I had already recovered from COVID by buying an $8 tube of ivermectin horse paste. Funny, I didn't have any issues or side effects, probably because I followed the dosing protocol on the tube, which is already pre-dosed for 0.2 milligrams uh, slash kilograms and took it by using the weight marker listed on the tube well lo and behold i just got a call today with my prescription acting asking for payment i asked my total and he, he this gentleman ordered 180 pills which is a six month supply of ivermectin and he was quoted for 1080 dollars. he says ha eight dollars or 1080 dollars? big pharma sucks what a waste of time all right, ladies and gentlemen, we are running on about an hour now, and I would like to you, thank you so much for listening. I'm um, thankful for you. I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that God sent his son. Thank you so much. You could have been listening to anything, but you chose to sit here and listen with us. So thank you so much wherever you're doing, wherever you're going. Be well. Be safe. I love you. Um, stay drive safe in that rain out there, you know, if you have rain going on wherever you live, because I don't know where everybody lives, but if you have rain going on, drive safe, because these drivers out here, they drive badly, okay, half of these people shouldn't have driver's license, but that's that's besides the point, thank you so much, I love you, and I'll see you tomorrow, on Wednesday.